Welcome to this week's episode of Myths and Stories. Uh, today, we are going to start what we're hoping is a uh, three, two to three part series. Uh, and we're going to be focusing on the Cabal in particular. Uh, we're going to go through, hope, you know, hopefully, the entire history of the Cabal as we know it currently in-game. Because uh, we figured that a lot of people that are getting introduced to the Cabal via the seasonal story with Keitel and what's happening there may not uh, have a full understanding of all of our different interactions with the Cabal uh, in the earlier years of Destiny and Destiny 2, uh, as well as like, where did they come from? What are their motivations? What is their society like? All those fun things are stuff that we are hoping to answer during this series. So. Uh, I'm excited. Say during research, I found out a lot of things that I had no idea about either, and I did play through all of that. So I think this will be a fun one. See, kids, remember research is fun. That's right. And finding someone else to do all your research so that you could listen to it is even better. You god dang right. Zora knows all about that. Uh, <laughs> I know all about this. No, uh, yeah. So I, I kind of pitched this idea uh, to Myth about doing the Cabal because I mean, like we, especially in the in the most recent seasons, like we've had a ton of Fallen stuff thrown at us. We've had a ton of Vex stuff. Obviously, with Witch Queen, we've had Hive just you know crammed down our throats. But there's things like the Scorn that um, that the Cabal have, have messed with in more recent years. Uh, and and the Cabal themselves. There's the whole Vox Obscura mission, which references this thing called the Glycon. And I mean, there's some people that are playing today that probably have no idea what the Glycon is or what the hell Vox Obscura is even referencing. And so that's where I started this idea of, well, let's 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 do the whole thing. Let's just in the beginning there was the Cabal <laughs> and it was good. No, uh, yeah. So um, how how far back does this thing start, Myth? So we are going all the way back to before the Cabal had even left their immediate star system. Um, okay. So, and that's, I guess that's where we're going to start. So, uh, do, we, do we have a rough time, time frame uh, for this? Or, or not are we going to kind in, of figure this time, timeline yeah, out as we go? We're going to have to kind of figure it out. I'm not sure how it relates compared to like Earth years. Right. Uh, like I, I don't know what our year would have been when this stuff was happening for the Cabal. However, the Cabal do live for centuries. They are a very long-lived race. So their ages or eras um, could have been significantly longer than what we normally think of as, as an era. Uh, and have, I, have they always had that, uh, that Roman gladiator breakdown of of units where they have like a phalanx they have a, a colossus a, 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 a i can't think of what the what all the centurion mm -hmm. um have, have they always been like that or yeah so that's actually really cool i i won't say they've always been like that but for mo for almost all of their recorded history very 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 strong roman influences um, down to the point where uh, I actually had to use, because they're not specifically defined in the lore, but they're words that originated in 
our Roman culture. So I had to go and see what was this in Rome and then attribute that to what it was in the Cabal Empire. Uh, see, kids, research really is fun. You can do history lessons, too, while you're doing your research. Yeah, look at that. You learn all sorts of things. Exactly. But... <laughs> and then you get somebody else to do it for you. And you get somebody uh, else to yeah, do it no. uh, okay, that's well, let's... Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's called bribery. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Okay, so, uh, so where, where's, where is this thing? So, I, I, where's, yeah. Where do we start, then? The history of the Cabal starts with the earliest known period in Cabal, uh, you know, all of, of recorded Cabal history, which was known as the Era of Lead. Uh, and we actually like, get L- like, L- like L-E-A-D. Pe- L- <laughs> like, uh, like uh, periodic table, what is it? L-B, B-R, B-H, H-B? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the symbol for it. I, I know it's not like LD. It's like something weird, but it's like the Roman word for lead. Uh, well, damn they, it, Google. They, they just call it the era of lead, so that's what I'm going to call it. Um, okay. I'm still going to Google what it is because I can't go remember right what it ahead. Is. Uh, this comes to us from the uh, item description for the Bell of Conquests which is the Season of the Chosen artifact. Uh, Anyone that doesn't know, all of the artifacts in every season have a lore tab of their own, that when you go in to, uh, you know, assign uh, your your artifact mods and such, there's a lore tab there um, that usually has some really interesting info. So this one... I found it. Look at you. It's PB, and it's the Latin word for lead. Plumbum. I the era of plumbum. Of plumbum. <laughs> I, I just really wanted to say bum. That's all there was. But no, that's that. That really is what it is. PB. Uh, and that's the, the only reason why I remember. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only reason why I remember things like that is because it's it's not like LE or LA or LD or anything. Yeah, like it's that. a weird one. Everything on the periodic table is related to the Latin version of it, which is where yeah. Okay, history lesson up. Yeah, so uh, the first lore card we're going to talk about, like I said, comes from the Bell of Conquest, which is the Season of Chosen Artifact. Uh, and this is read from the perspective of Cryptarch, uh, who's like trying to figure out what the heck this Bell of Conquest is and why it's important. Um, and the lore card is kind is of it, their findings. Is it uh, I don't know if it ever like signs off as a particular Cryptarch. Um, okay. I'm going to choose to believe that it wasn't Rahul because that just makes me it's, feel better about things. It's it's not written from the point of view of a dick. Of a dick, yeah. <laughs> so it says, this style of Cabal War Bell, known as the Bell of Conquest, is a standout example of the traditional combat artistry known literally as blood etching, popular during the era of lead which was before the Cabal extended their reach beyond their immediate star system. These objects commemorated martial feats and personal victories, but varied widely in appearance. The Bell of Conquest was a chronicle of the victories of its owner. Unadorned bells were given to warriors at their first blood. 
those who wished to challenge a warrior in combat would request their bell and ring it seven times. So this makes some sense in the context of the season it was released in because we were literally challenging Cabal war leaders uh, to, to a duel, essentially. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that, I mean, that just, that, that kind of shows what their whole, the Cabal are a very warring type people. And, and maybe not war, warring is probably not the, the right word. No, I think that's very, the right word. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, that's the right yeah. word, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're, they're very, they're very, you know, might, military might, like who's yes. the strongest, mm-hmm. who's the biggest, baddest guy in the room. Um, and we want to kick that guy in the cabals and take him down and then challenge that guy to another guy. And they're all about, you know, that, that challenging as a, as a, as a, uh, on the battlefield, like they, they want to meet glory on the battlefield is, is, is what I always think of when I think of a yeah. cabal. No, they, they very much, um, emphasize martial prowess, uh, being strong, being victorious in Look battle. All of those are, are considered, you know, desirable traits in, in a cabal citizen. Um, but we'll find that it doesn't necessarily always go that way. Uh, but so this is the first earliest record we have. This is this era of lead. Uh, and presumably because it's stated, this is before they, you know, had reached beyond their star system. The era of lead would have consisted of the time of the rise to power of the first Cabal Emperor. And okay. that Cabal Emperor went by the name of Acrius. And we get a little bit of information about Acrius from the weapon named after them, Legend of Acrius. The lore card and this on is, that. Oh, yep. This, the, all of this is taking place on their homeworld of Tora Bottle, right? Correct. Yep. All of this okay. is is taking place on Tor Bottle, uh, and it's uh, yeah. So the the Legend of Acrius weapon goes as such, and this is a, another uh, cryptarch kind of de deconstructing what the Legend of Acrius was. Uh, in this case, we do know which cryptarch it was. It was Tyra Karn from the farm. For anyone that remembers I like that, her. she was nice. Yeah. So, it says, In the Cabal legend, a hero seeks to possess the sun. He succeeds. Then, he becomes emperor. The Cabal are not a subtle people. That really is the entire myth. A Cabal named Acrius desires the sun, and he takes it, and becomes the first emperor of the Cabal. Other scholars have already noted the parallels and differences with our own Earth myth of Icarus which famously has a far more humbling ending. I am more interested in how Cabal leaders throughout history have deployed this legend as a rhetorical and political justification for conquest. Among the most relevant such figures is Dominus Gaul himself, who appears to have a personal affinity with the Acrius myth. I must also note here that while linguistic analysis of the Cabal language and its many dialects is incomplete, they do not appear to have a word for the concept of hubris. So by Tyra's telling... Well, and I think that's very important there at the end. There's a lot of words that the Cabal... They they don't have words for for some of the things that we use in human dialect. 
because they just they don't even have a concept of it like in this in this point hubris you mm-hmm. know um, or or even humbleness you know i i, I think I, I don't think they have anything for humbleness or anything so well and and we've seen a, a couple of other interesting tidbits uh, similar to that like they have what was it they have seven words for advance and none for retreat or something like that yeah um, yeah <laughs> I, I think that was a, a dialogue in like d1 uh yep. but i also think that some of this comes from i, I don't want to say a, a, a prejudice against the cabal but maybe but it also comes from an incomplete understanding of of the cabal language and how the cabal think because sure. we have the same exact legend of Acrius presented to us by Keitel herself and she paints it in a very different light uh so i i want to read her telling of it uh to to kind of show the the differences between the translated understandings of guardians of of tyra in this case um versus a cabal some dude with a dictionary right (laughs) yeah versus a cabal actually telling this this myth of their very first emperor uh absolutely so this comes from the uh praefectus curus which is the season of the chosen chest piece uh armor um and it goes as such valast sighed for years every day has been about survival just trying to stay in the fight, but now he trailed off and grasped the sheets of his bed, a cheap fabric, but still softer than anything he'd felt in years. When you war for so long, peace can become its own struggle, Keitel said. Valast left the fabric fall from his hand. I thought I was Acrius reborn, claiming another son for our kind. He gazed out the porthole of the ship. But I failed. Keitel smiled. I have always loved that tale. She pulled a stool over and sat beside him. Did you know there used to be more to it? Velas shook his head. It's an older version, not as popular in modern times, but I was lucky enough to learn it as a child, the Empress continued. Before Acrius... Three warriors sought to climb a great mountain and grasp the sun, but a terrible beast stood in their way. The first tried to outwit the beast and and sneak through the shadows, but the beast smelled him still and ate the warrior in a single bite. The second tried to escape the beast, crafting a device to harness the wind and soar upwards, but the fickle wind changed its mind and tossed her into the beast's maw. The third warrior challenged the beast head-on. Severus in hand, she also fell to the beast's gnashing teeth, but not before her blade tasted its blood. Veleste frowned. They all failed? Keitel considered the question. The first two, certainly. They thought battle could be avoided. But the third warrior died with pride and honor. Valas pondered for a moment. Even in defeat, she left her mark on her foe. Keitel nodded. And the next one of her kin, the next time one of her kin faced it, the beast would be one blow closer to death. Did more come? Valas questioned. 
Of course, Keitel exclaimed, they were cabal, and the sun was theirs to claim. Over and over their mightiest fell, but each time another wound was struck, until the day came when a warrior landed the final blow. That warrior was Acrius. Bellest frowned. Ever since I was a child, I saw Acrius as a hero. He may have been, Keitel replied as she clasped Bellast's hands in hers, but so was the warrior who struck the first blow, and every blow after that. Bellast's eyes glistened as he held her grip firmly. Thank you, Empress. Keitel shook her head. My brother, it is the Empire who thanks you. Holy cow. So that's Keitel's telling of that Dude, that has story. so much more to it. Like, I'm... Holy shit. So it's like, you know, Tyra's uh, translation is kind of like Cabal want thing, Cabal smash every, you know, all <laughs> obstacles to get thing, the end. Yeah. And uh, Keitel's is a... Granted, Keitel does say this is this is kind of a, a older version of the story that is not told. Sure. Um, as much anymore but her version is the is very much a like the people can accomplish great things when they work together over generations uh and and that ending too where where he he thanks the empress and she says no it's the empire that thanks you so it's very much the individual cabal doesn't necessarily mean nothing Mm-hmm. But everything that individual cabal does is for the greater good of the empire. Yeah, and, and to offer some additional context, this particular story of Alast, the, the cabal warrior that Keitel is speaking to, um, he, she's visiting him in a med bay. Uh, he has been uh, crippled. He, he has had an, an arm removed, and so he can no longer fight. And he's feeling that, especially for, for such a, a militaristic race, uh, he's feeling worthless. He's feeling like, yeah, you know, he he's failed his people. He can no longer do what they need of him. And she's telling him, no, everything you've done up to this point is already helped everybody. Uh, don't don't feel that you have failed because you have already made contributions. Interesting. Very very much in that same yeah yeah with that same uh mindset of the of the first uh. Emperor. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's I man, this is this is kind of romantic. It it's it is in the in the way that a lot of uh Roman stories are, to be honest. Uh you know, a, a lot of the, I'm digging this. A lot of the, the Roman, you know, Roman mythology as well as, you know, the the stories we know from Rome of of uh you know Caesar and, and the various Praetorians and all that. Um like there's there's a hint of of the the dramatic but also of story being told in in everything that they do um so the i like is, it i'm digging it yeah but the, this is kind of all we really know though of the this era of lead and this this acrius the first emperor of the cabal um and that's all the cabal seem to know is is this myth of this first emperor that rose to power um but they, they seem to hold Acrius in very high regard. And uh, any warrior, you know, any, any young ball warrior is aspiring to be the next Acrius, the next great 
sure. you know, great cabal to to steal their own son, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So to this... want thing, kill stuff, get thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this, they're 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 not a subtle people. They're very straightforward. <laughs> cabal one thing, cabal kill thing, cabal get thing. Okay, moving on. So we move on then to the era of conquest. Is the next named era in cabal history, and this was a time of scientific advancement and military expansion to other worlds and civilizations. Uh, it's implied that during the era of conquest is when the Cabal found and assimilated the Scion race, who, although became prized for their abilities, were still very much subservient members of Cabal society. Um, you know, they as as like lesser, yeah, as lesser beings. I, I well, and I don't want to call them slaves, but are are they? I, I think in a lot of ways, yes. Um, you know, if, if they're ordered to do something by a cabal, they don't really have a means to say no. Like, it's expected that they do it. Um, but at the same time, the cabal understand that scions have abilities that they do not. And, like, they still value a scion that shows great ability amongst other scions. But the greatest scion will never be on equal social footing as even the lowest cabal. Is is that's what weird. I get from it at least. Like that's a that's a very odd relationship there between the scions and and the cabal. It, it, I, and and I've always I've always I've always been intrigued with that relationship, right? Like I've always looked at the scions as like, well, you know, they are their psychic abilities are insanely impressive i mean we we see that now in the current season uh where we're diving into a hive mind mid battle and Mm -hmm. and (laughs) severing its link to savathun in its mind i i mean scions are they're pretty damn cool and they're pretty damn powerful they are but for but for a cabal but for a cabal, they just look at them as as just another tool, as another. I I I don't know that I even I. That's why I hesitate to use the word slave. I I think that the cabal think of scions as a tool, as a as as a device that that can do something for them. Yeah, I don't know that slave is is accurate. Like, like you said, it doesn't feel quite right. Um, yeah maybe like, it, would, it would slave it, slave get, has that connotation of like the scions are being oppressed and that they are they I mean, are actively being are, but... i mean they are right like and so and slave may be the right term but it's it's it, like the scions don't care that they're slaves well and i i don't know it's it's hard to say because we don't have a whole lot of record of scions during this point in time we're experiencing scions that that's that's just the way it's always been to them that's all they've known yeah um that's that's all it's ever been and i you know there there have certainly been some revolutionaries amongst the scion people a number of times that that have tried to 
break free or, or tried to become independent peoples within the Cabal Empire. Um, to try to be it, seen as an equal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd, maybe like indentured servitude is is kind of the same, but a little different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm I'm not really sure how to classify them, but seen at least at a society level as not not on equal footing with cabal lesser beings yeah um yeah and we have some info to support this uh as far as the expansion of uh as well as some of the the things that um were happening during the the era of conquest from uh well, the first is is just a little snippet from a season of the chosen quest description. Actually, uh, the quest was called Gilded Conquest, and the description on that quest read: Keitel's emissaries flood Soul with ceremonial gold, a custom during the aid era of conquest. Conquered worlds were enriched to ease defeat and afford the opportunity to challenge officers for representation within the Cabal's leadership. So this is an interesting idea. The, during this, this era of conquest, which presumably is when all the Cabal are being gathered under one banner to then go out and explore their solar system, uh, when a world is defeated during this time, uh they may be defeated militaristically and politically but it seems like the cabal uh and we've seen this with the scions are more interested in assimilating these worlds into their empire than they are with like you know doing the scorched earth approach and just removing them sure. off sure the and which is which is i mean yeah that's yeah that's and that's weird that they didn't do that with the scions to me like or maybe the scions didn't. They just looked at it and was like, "No, I don't. I don't care to be part of it." And then they're like, "Okay, well, you're just going to be subjugated." So, well, I, I mean, one could argue that is the scions did get assimilated into the, the oh. society, and that's where they landed. Uh, but it, it seems point. like the cabal at least have an understanding of the economic ramifications of laying siege to to another, you know, another society uh well in this description of of lavishing them with gold yep conquered worlds are enriched to ease defeat and afford the opportunity to challenge officers for representation within the cabal's leadership so if you did well enough and proved yourself presumably in battle you would have the opportunity to rise through the cabal military ranks on your martial prowess, regardless of of station, prior to to that's, being conquered, that's kind of cool. Uh, it, it's a very interesting idea, and I you know, I didn't do any specific research on this, so if anyone's familiar, forgive me if I get get some things wrong here. But this sounds to me similar to the Roman Empire as we know it. Um, now I don't know sure. that the Romans necessarily you know, lavished gold on the places that they just defeated. <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, I, I don't remember Romans necessarily 
you know, going full fire and brimstone and, and removing the places they conquered off the map, they had the largest empire in the world for a time, uh, presumably by assimilating those areas into their greater Roman Empire. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah, this is definitely... I mean, and this is lining up with the with the with the naming scheme that the cabals have. So that's mm-hmm. I'm I'm seeing a lot of that that Roman uh, uh, parallels there. Yeah, and to further those parallels, we get a little peek into how the cabal governing bodies formed during this era of conquest. So, in the earliest days of this new empire, the cabal emperor ruled alongside. A military aristocrat uh, aristocracy aristocracy that's the word I'm just stupid uh <laughs> no that's a hard word man there's, there's some of these words that they put in here I will look at it thirty times and I'm like that that's not a real word and then I'll hit Google on it and Google will just say it for me and I'm like, oh that's how that because I've always heard the word and I've never seen the word spelt out. Well, I but saw yeah, the beginning no, of it and I was trying to say aristocrat and then I'm like, but that's not the word. And then, anyway, uh, so <laughs> the Cabal Emperor ruled alongside this military aristocracy known as the Praetoriate, which allowed the people, um, which very specifically the Praetoriate would uh, do, didn't care about the, the general citizens. Its main goal was make the legions grow make our military force bigger. Uh, okay. And the Praetoriate, again, if, if my rudimentary understanding is correct, is the same exact phrase used to describe the Roman Senate, which sat alongside the Roman emperor to decide you know, po- things of political nature. So again, another yeah. parallel. Yeah. Now, in this case, I don't know if in the Romans' case the Praetoriate was military or or entirely military leaders, uh, but in this case, the Praetoriate of the Cabal is every member is the head of a legion of the Cabal. And so that's where we get things like the Red Legion and the, um, what was it, the Sand Dancers and... uh, you know all all the other various cabal legions that we've come across in in our time in the destiny universe uh they all have like a house that they belong to and each of those houses had a a head that sat at the this praetoriate and of course Sim- similar house houses similar to um like fallen right with the fallen and they they have their head kill but and only then in like... that they're divided, um, and that, okay. that I think gotcha. is an important distinction because, like, uh, someone that is of the Red Legion wouldn't have a rivalry with another house. Like they they are all very gotcha. much part of the Cabal Empire. Empire, yeah. Uh, but they just they listen to different. Um, they take their orders from different commanders. And sure. the commander of each legion uh, that sits on the Praetoria is going to have their own legion's best interests in mind. Um, but overall, they all answer to this, you know, the emperor and whatever the, the emperor, yeah, decision made decisions made by the Praetoria as a whole are. Yeah. yeah. So okay. the fallen are a little more like separate right. bodies of broken. government. 
And this is all yeah. one body of government that has one separate single. Portions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we we hear about the Pretoriate and uh, a, a particular viewpoint on the Pretoriate from actually the Cabal booklet that came with the Destiny 2 Vanilla Collector's Edition. Um, and this is written from the point of view of Callus. And he writes, In ages past, the Emperor ruled alongside the Praetoriate, the degenerate and venal military aristocracy. The legions made an iron wall around them, and the people suffered so that the legions could grow. So again, he's parroting that they didn't care about the common citizen. If you were not yeah. a member of the Legion, they weren't. They did not have your best interest in mind. Yeah. So, speaking of Callus, this kind of leads us into the what is referred to as the Foundation Age, uh, which is the rise of Callus as emperor. And this, uh, it, 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 it's interesting to me um, to think that there was something before Callus, because even, even, I mean, unless if you're going through and digging through these these lore entries, as far as what you're you're exposed to in game, at least what what you've just what you've been exposed to in game since Destiny Two, um, it's it's always been about Callus. It's always you know Callus is mm-hmm. the emperor all this so to 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 find out that there there truly is more to it than that like that's i i love that um yeah they had calluses they had eras and ages prior to callus they had who knows how many emperors between acrius and callus um yeah so it's it's interesting and I, I know they're very much based on the Roman Empire, but that particular like longevity kind of makes me think of like the the Chinese uh oh, sure. empire where like the dynasties. You know, the yeah, the different dynasties and, and each yeah. leader kind of, you know, made their own their own section on the timeline that's in sometimes named after them or, or their particular yeah. war they presided over. Uh and the cabal, at least in how their history is written, is very similar in that regard. Uh, even though their society is is definitely very Roman. Yeah. But so, I, I hesitate to make the uh, the. I'm gonna make it. They're Klingons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you call it potato, I call it potato. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, One guy calls it Klingon, another guy calls it Cabal. It's, 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 it's science fiction, fiction in general, takes influences from many different places, and it's fine. This, uh, this is this is why we have things like witch elves and 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 demons, <laughs> so people can copyright things and say, "Look, we have elves and demons," and then you look at them and go, "No, Games Workshop, you do not. You have." Ales and demons. They have the little yeah. squiggles above their letters. They're different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this one has a dot and a squiggle. Ha <laughs> ha. No, that's no. Uh, I had to laugh. Right. There was a uh, a band um, that they 
they came out with an album uh that it was the album name was anomaly but the a's had little like uh circles above them um and they're not foreign by any means and uh in an interview they were asked like what what is you know is anomaly the correct pronunciation and they're like yeah that that sounds you know that's that's what we intended and they're like okay what what are the the symbols above the a's and they're like oh we just thought it looked cool yeah <laughs> same yep. same thing yep yeah <sighs> but technically the spelling of my name zorialis the o is supposed to have two little dots over it but I don't even know what that would do to the the <laughs> word of it. So that I just thought it looked cool. Well, there you go. Say it plus they figure don't allow out how special to, characters. Yeah, say figure out how to find that on a PlayStation keyboard. Uh, it's uh it's alt one four five. Oh well you did. Good job. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I I think it's one four five. I can't remember. it's like one four five or one four seven. I I don't remember. No. Uh but yeah, it's it's one of the alt characters on a on an ASCII keyboard. We digress. Not ASCII. QWERTY. QWERTY keyboard. QWERTY, yeah. We never digress here. <laughs> we never no, tangent. Not. You fool. This so only has one track. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so Callus, the, the foundation track just may go in circles of Callus. You know, it's every train set I've ever played with. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> foundation Age of Callus. Uh... No, you go, go. My mind just got blown by the thought that every train set really is just a circle. So Callus became emperor of the Cabal. Um, it's not, or at least I could not find a recording of how emperors are chosen. Perhaps it's through martial feats. Perhaps it, they're voted in by the Praetoriate, or it's a, a bloodline thing. Not clear as to how they decide no, they who just, their next emperor is going to be. Yeah, they, they just pluck another sun, sun out of the sky. They and, just you know, pluck another <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's it. <laughs> but for some vex reason, Callus became emperor. And uh, he was very different than every emperor before him. Uh, because where many of the, the previous emperors had, you know, progressed the cabal society in a very militaristic way um callus saw those militaristic ways as uh martial he saw you know martial power as being a useful tool but he didn't think society as a whole should be centered around that uh so this is a whole new way of thinking then entirely new way of thinking interesting and, Callus, and we all know how well that goes in history. <laughs> right. Uh, but Callus proclaims a few things himself, again, in the Cabal booklet that came with the Destiny 2 collector's edition, the, the original one. And he says this. Know that I am Callus, the last and greatest emperor of the Cabal. For centuries I led the revels of my empire, and the stars themselves burnt sweet and clear. I have seen more than a thousand years of war and trouble. I have fought the Sindhu, put down the clips, and interpreted the mad prophecies of the Oxa machine. But might is not enough, for through all of this struggle, 
I kept the bonfires lit and the sweet wine flowing. For to be emperor, you see, is to be the model of perpetual joy. A good ruler must live the life that everyone craves, for if an emperor cannot be happy, then what hope has anyone? When I took the throne, my people bled to feed a corrupt military elite. I chased those Praetoriate scum from their dens of in antiquity. I offered their stolen riches back to my cabal, and I vowed to celebrate our existence in the highest luxury, to set an example for my empire. No privileged few, but decadence for all. He makes it sound pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Dude, I... I mean, he's all about it, man. He's like, I'm, I'm emperor. Emperor should live like a god. Full stop. Well, not, not only that, he's saying emperor should live like a god. Emperor should want for nothing. And I should make the people want for nothing. And despite whatever troubles I have, I should always be happy so that everyone else has hope that they too can be happy. Uh, is, is... Yeah. It very, like... Dionysus is is the vibe I get. Uh, the the god of wine. I, um, granted, I was that's Greek, say, but... I'm Bacchus. Yeah, I'm I am Bacchus, god of wine. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's literally as soon as you said it, that's instantly what I was thinking. Which then instantly went to an episode of the op office where it's like, I am Bacchus, god of wine, and they're pouring wine all over each other at the pool party at Robert California's place, and then yeah. the, the other one's like, and I am Bacchus's friend! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same, that very much the same like visual that I get from, from this. Um, yep. However, however, we learn that Callus writes and or edits Cabal historical text during his time as emperor, specifically to paint himself in a better light. And so many of the things we read from him or from a time that he would have had access to those records got to take with a little grain of salt. Sure. Uh, and they, they talk about this, actually, the Cryptarchs do, uh, in another piece of um, the Season of Chosen. Uh, specifically, this is the lore card for the quest item, the Hammer of Proving which sat in all of our quest logs for ever and literally never went ever. Away. Uh, Nobody even did anything with it for like six seasons. It was, it was bad. Um, yeah. But it had a lore card. Who knew? And that lore card has this paragraph. Currently, our crypto archaeologists cannot pinpoint the date of Callus's rise to power within the Cabal Empire. Like much of the Cabal Empire's ancient history, many dates and facts were altered to cast a favorable light upon the former emperor and his rise to power. Most of the Cryptarchy's information comes from post-Callus records, scoured from archival remains on Red Legion vessels and forays into the Leviathan. As such, its records' historic context must be marked for questionable accuracy. All that is to say, Callus thought he was a big deal. Yeah. Callus wanted everyone else to also think he was a big deal. And yeah. even if something didn't quite show off him as the you know, benevolent god of wine and revelry, uh, he would just change it. 
so that it did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that you know, again, it's. I it's mean, one when you're those... when you're emperor, like like that. I mean, <laughs> as shitty as that sounds, when you're emperor, who the fuck's gonna stop you, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very much one of those uh, like. This book is full of lies that the book of sorrow had. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my a, god, yes. It's a hey With, if, like on one hand Bun- it's smart. Bungie has Bungie <laughs> is the most smartest people in writing things and being able to write themselves out of it while still writing the thing. Yeah. Like uh, to just say this is full of lies. Boom, you can now literally make whatever the fuck you want. And then for this one to be like, yeah, he, if something happened a certain way and he didn't like it, he just changed it. So whatever you're reading, take it with a grain of salt. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. No. And we we see that. Um, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but we see that in uh, the I believe a season of opulence where Callus is talking about or or has has prophecies. He's dictating prophecies to his scions to write down that are about all of the the great things that are going to happen once a guardian becomes his shadow and you know and and brings about the end of the universe essentially uh yeah. and as we know none of those came true uh cuz we we were kind of here for that season and you know we we didn't kill Marosov or make Petrovenge and shadow or and we're that. still here <laughs> <laughs> we're still here uh and the one guardian that was canonically Callus's shadow died horribly uh yeah so you know little pinch of salt uh <laughs> maybe Callus doesn't know everything maybe yeah too brute yeah <laughs> i it, it, uh, you also mentioned uh, um, uh, Oxot, right? Oxa. Oxa. Oxa machine. Yeah. Oxa machine. Uh, and that is a very important thing to take note of. So the, the Oxa machine was control, was created by, and I think can only be used by, Scions. Uh, and it was a machine that, from my understanding, was very similar to what the future war cult in the city used to view the future or view possible uh, futures. I was going to say, are we talking Vextech future prediction machines? Well, there's nothing to suggest it's Vex created, that the Oxa machine is Vex created. It is, I believe it is originally scion created and from the tellings is better at making prophecies than anything that we have drummed up from the vex uh really now now granted we are trying to like kind of you know slap some vex tech together to make something that we can use we you know we being future oracle um the the one time well i guess every time we've tried to do something (laughs) with it something has gone horribly wrong uh let's see people just go a little insane kate tried to try to figure it out uh in in the d2 vanilla by by making a little portal thing and then got trapped in the vex network 
Ikora was so pissed at, at, at the Vex during the season of Undying that she was like, yeah, we're just going to put a Vex portal right here in the center of the city. I mean, literally right behind me, middle of the Vanguard, whatever, it's cool. Yeah, that didn't turn out bad at all. Um, yeah, and then, obviously, Future War Cult. Hey, let's let's do that again! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it's actually suggested... From what I'm seeing here, uh, I did I did a brought up some some additional information about the the Oxa machine in particular. Um, from what I'm seeing, it's suggested that the Vex had kept information about the Oxa machine, uh, and it becomes kind of a, a chicken and egg thing. Like, did the Vex right. find the Oxa machine and then use that to make their own prediction engines? Or is it just they're keeping Dude. tabs on arrival kind of thing? Um, Dude, I like that chicken and the egg idea with this thing, right? Because that would totally play into Vex, right? Like, Vex mm-hmm. exists at all times. So, like, oh my god, that's a... <laughs> I like that, I like that. So, uh, we're, we'll talk a little bit more about the Oxa machine, and, and in particular, um, one of the Scion scientists around that. Uh, but for now, just know it was a thing. Yeah. So, Cabal, or Callus has come into power as Emperor of the Cabal, and his very first act as Emperor is because he he sees himself as like I need to bring in a new way of life. I need to be a one man revolution essentially. Um so as emperor he captures the consul who is the head of the praetoriate um kind of the the like yeah you know, the the same way that there's a, a speaker of the house or or whatnot like I- not not necessarily yeah. has more power than other legions, but is kind of the directing figure of the Praetoriate. Sure. Uh, named the Consul. He captures the Consul, castrates the Consul, and then Whoa. exiles him. Whoa. Uh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we we get this information from the Leviathan Raid Weapon inaugural address. And it reads as such. My first act as emperor was to send the consul into the wasteland. The golden sun would burn away his corrupt form, a fitting symbol for the revolution that was to be my reign. I wanted a desert of pure white sand to stage my celebration. It took them three days to clear the wasteland of any stones or plant of offending color, but when they were done, it was a perfect canvas for the violet pavilion. We, cre- we recreated my court in every detail beneath the glinting sun. The first act of my coronation was to have the consul kneel at my feet. He was a pathetic figure, stripped of title, rank, and clothing. He would never wield power again and would beget no heir. I made sure of that personally. 
I had only a single word for him. Run. So as much as Callus is about, like, keep the wine flowing, party time, like, if he doesn't like don't, you... Don't you, fuck with you're me. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, stripped the desert of everything of offending color. So it's literally just a sea of white sand. Yep. Nothing but white sand, because he saw that as the... He needed it to be a perfect canvas for his his violet pavilion that uh, apparently was also built before all of this. Yeah, in the yeah. middle of this a, desert, a complete replica. Just like, just to exile this guy, just to kick him out into the desert and say like, on your own, bye bye. Just to cut the old cabals loose, as they <laughs> oh, say. God. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was pretty good. I was proud of myself for that one. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so Callus so exiles. He first, exiles. First thing he does, cuts his balls off, puts him in the desert, says run. Yep, and he like, exiles Completely the naked. Yep, the head of the Praetoria, intending for him to, you know, starve or die of thirst or just be roasted by the sun and and yeah he sees it as a a death sentence essentially um but at the very least he will never hold any power ever again and the very next thing he does now that he's dealt with the head of the praetoriate is uh he's gonna go assassinate the remaining praetoriate um and we see or, or we we see the telling of this in another Leviathan raid weapon called Alone as a God. And it reads... Well, real, real oh, quick yep. before we keep going with the Leviathan ones. Uh, for those of you that don't know, there was a raid called the Leviathan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah! That shit got real! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And D- when D2 launched... Uh, the first raid was called Leviathan, and and we're gonna discuss that more uh, later on. Yeah. Uh, but all all of these uh, entries come from the weapons that you could earn as rewards from doing that raid, which I personally really hope to see a return to Leviathan. I I still remember my first encounter there. It was awesome. Yeah, I I loved the, the Leviathan, uh, and the Leviathan raid itself was kind of where myth and i met like this this we started doing these uh uh it was right when they were starting to, to sunset the leviathan and we started going through we were doing spire of stars uh the prestige versions of them and and yeah this that yeah fun mm-hmm. times yeah no the the leviathan um is the raid is the name of the raid but it's also a very important place uh that we are going to talk about in uh in this series um not only to it comes up a number of times we'll just say that uh but yeah yep. it was the raid location uh anything that i'm saying leviathan raid weapon or leviathan raid armor or something like that, it came from that raid which is unfortunately no longer in the game at least at time of recording uh For but yeah now. hopefully it comes back or now yeah but so um 
But yeah, the the alone is a god, which was the sniper rifle, I believe, from the Leviathan, um, has this lore card on it that talks about the what happened to the rest of the Praetorium. My imperial guard marched into the temple where the senate convened. They formed a protective circle from which I might bestow the gift of my address. From this day forward, I shall take up all of the empire into my embrace, for I am the father of the empire, as I am father to all creation. I will suffer no tired institution nor petty bureaucrat to stand between me and my children. I am the perfect, loving God, and all will tremble to know me. The Imperial Guard charged their railguns in perfect unison. So, already we're seeing Kalos Ke- yeah. is kind of, kind of full of himself. Um, oh, 100%. He, he, is, he has gone from previously telling us, like, I was this great, greatest of all emperors, and I brought, you know, revel and, uh, you know, prosperity to my kingdom and now we're seeing that he's proclaiming himself a god of his people uh, or or of all creation he says uh and you know he is a perfect and loving god uh as a, he a, guns down an a, entire group of people i was trying to say that's a bold statement to make while you're gunning down the entire senate like right like okay i mean how how did the, well, and that's that's an interesting thought, right? Like to see this, like I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of this and view this through the eyes of a cabal citizen, right? But like, what even is a cabal citizen? Like, what is a cabal civilian? Is there such yeah. thing as a cabal civilian? Are all cabal just instant? Like, you're born into a military, a militaristic peoples, so you are therefore a military person from the ground like from the day you're born like that's that's an interesting thought and and you know in in any society that you wouldn't have that that wouldn't be militaristic you, you'd see this as the act of a madman like this this guy's nuts he just gone down the entire ruling governing party and you know we might need to do something about him uh whereas like here it's just he it's just him being the emperor like oh yeah no Go, yeah, and uh, and actually, we have a little bit of info that might give us an idea of what that everyday life might be like. Um, now, I do think a large majority of cabal citizenry is militaristic; is in the military sure. in some regard. Um, however, there are still pieces of you know society that need to exist for things to to progress. Like you need to have people that produce food. You need to have people that you know, uh, facilitate trade, um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. And Counter- counterpoint, mm-hmm. counterpoint. If you are a militaristic type people, you never have to produce anything. You never have to trade anything. You just go take it. Well, if, if you are purely, you know, rolling into a neighboring peoples and taking what they have for your own, sure. But it seems like the Cabal's MO was to roll into a neighboring people and then say, you're part of us now. 
And in actuality, they're okay. bringing in more people to feed at that point. That makes that makes that makes more sense. So uh, one of the little snippets we have that gives us an idea of what everyday life might be like uh, on Torbottle at at this time. Um, it also comes from the uh, Destiny Two Vanilla Collector's Edition lore book, uh, where Callus has written about a number of prominent figures during his uh, his time as emperor. And one of them is of very humble beginnings. Uh, and he refers to them as the confidant Iskal of Fantor. And Callus writes this. Poor sweet Iska, who sold me tea. In the first days of my great purge against the Praetoriate, we moved the capital to Torbatal to be near the people. Every day I would go out to parade myself in public view, buying in the markets and gifting to the poor so that all would know I was unintimidated and still a vigorous appetite. At the end of my route, I would stop by Iska's cart to sniff at his basket of tea. He'd listen to my troubles, who I defended among the housekeepers, where, where I had ached and how my allergies reacted to the dry plain air. In all things, an emperor must be excessive, and with Iska, I was excessive in my trust, and my prices, considering how well I paid him for the petals I used in my nectar. Iska was a poor businessman and simple, but he never shared a word, I said. I am told he still sets up his tea cart on the same corner. I am told that Iskal of Fantor sells his tea to a clique of Dominus general staff, soldiers who tease him with the nickname Imperial Informant, as if he sends word to me in my exile. So that was written, obviously, during a, a time where Callus was no longer emperor. Um, but it, it is a little peek into what yeah. general life might be there. You know, they have a, a, a so, marketplace of sorts, apparently. Well, to, to me, this, this feels very, you know, Arabic. This feels, it, it, it sounds like Torah Bottle is a very desert-like place. The dry plains, yeah. And, and yeah. this does bring about a, an interesting point that I have seen talked about before. Um, Torah Bottle, I think, is is both the name of the planet and the city? Um, I, why not? Why not? <laughs> to make Cabal history even more confusing, right? why not? <laughs> but because, because here he talks about, uh, you know, we moved the capital to Torbuttle to be near the people. Um, I, I suppose he could literally mean they moved the capital to the planet Torbuttle. Um but we definitely have heard Keitel in the current season and, and previous um, refer to it as like the home world of the Cabal, um, or at least seemingly hey, remember, referring to it that way. Grain, grain of salt with Callus. This is true, but it this seems like a weird thing to lie about. <laughs> is hey, it a city or a planet? He can, he's, uh, he's, he's emperor. He can do whatever the fuck he, he lie about, whatever he wants to lie about, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. The sun was made of cheese. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Callus. Um, 
but I, I think it brings a, a very interesting perspective of of you know this city marketplace that he parades down and you know showers the various vendors in in seemingly overpaying them for their goods to just kind of show off how how well off he is doing and um to to be spreading that a little bit um, i was going to say and then turning around and taking those goods that he's buying and giving them to the poor like to show the poor look i'm i'm a gener- I'm not only am i am i a a glorious emperor i'm a generous emperor like i you know praise me worship me like he's oh, he's yeah. very much trying to trying to be that godlike figure that yep. one man revolution as as he puts it yeah um so yeah interesting little peek into that uh in addition to you know in his first years or his, his first becoming of emperor uh in addition to dealing with the praetoriate and the consul um he does something that's kind of interesting so he recognizes that cabal militaristic rituals are ingrained in their in their culture and understands that just coming in and saying now nah, we're not doing that anymore probably not going to go over too well i mean uh, you're gonna have a lot of confused people so what he does is is you know very smart very cunning is he goes well yeah we'll still do that but we're gonna add some rules and we're gonna add some more rules and we're gonna add some more rules until eventually no one wants to do these things anymore uh and we we see this with another section of the hammer of proving from the seat which was the season of chosen quest item um and it goes on to tell us this in the early foundation age the right of proving was the primary means by which disputes were settled among free cabal much like how the crucible was formed among the guardians of the last city during the proving two cabal or their appointed representatives would air their grievances in a public forum and one or both would declare a challenge these cabal would battle one another to submission or to the death often the latter and the winner would be seen as the right and lawful party in the dispute callus disapproved but knew that overturning a centuries-old tradition would be an unpopular decision instead the emperor introduced incrementally draconic and byzantine bylaws into the proving one of these stated that if a battle ended with a tie or double submission, an impartial or arbiter would decide the outcome. This arbiter would carry a symbol of imperial office, a gold-plated hammer etched with strange runes drawn from Callus's own personal occult obsessions. The hammer of proving. Whereas an impartial arbiter was a widely accepted change to the tradition, Callus abused it to push his own agenda. Over time, the proving arbiter was granted more and more autonomy to settle battles, eventually gaining the right to enter a battle on their own under a number of flimsy justifications, such as balancing unfair matches, or ending matches that went overly long, or punishing a proving participant who owed a financial debt to the Empire. The proving arbiter became such a disruptive force that within a century the right of proving had fallen out of usage, as the law and restrictions around the right made it an untenable solution 
Ultimately, the rule of proving arbiter was retired, and the hammer was returned to Callus's vaults, before it somehow ended up in the hands of guardians. So this is like some political scheming going on here Dude, to to change this is, things this is reminding wants. me of this is making me think of of 1920s and 1930s germany whereas like the the addition of rules that are then twisted to a particular outcome yeah twisted twisted to for the for the person implementing the rules like oh well we're going to we're going to put a rule in here that says uh you know we need to keep an eye on everyone of a certain ethnicity and then that gets twisted into oh well now we need to gather them up now we need to like i mean that's obviously that's an extreme but that's that's what callus is doing he's literally implementing these rules in and and coming up with more and more restrictions on this proving now granted it, it in this in this telling of it he's just trying to do it to get rid of the proving Right, like that's his whole goal right, to get rid yeah. of the proving. But in the process of doing so, having you know his arbiter be able to just enter the battle and just be like, "Yeah, this battle's taking too long. I'm going to kill you both, and then I'm the decider of what happens, and I can yeah. make whatever rule I want while I'm deciding this." Like this is this is very much a like he, it's it's a it's a what would you call that? A, a double positive for Callus is what I'm thinking. Win-win. <laughs> it, on one on one side, he's getting rid of the proving. On the other side, he's also pushing forward his own political agenda. Yeah, he's asserting power, and and they even say like they would the the arbiter would find reasons to uh you know decide against a participant who owed a financial debt to the empire. Yeah. Um. Like you know. like like and and in that instance, right? Like two guys had an argument, and they're like, "All right, well, I duel you," and the other guy's like, "All right, I duel you too." And they show up and they beat each other. And the guy that that owes a bunch of money happens to win. He's like, "All right, sweet, yeah, 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 you owe me money now, and I'm gonna go." And then the the emperor just comes by and goes, "Oh yeah, well, you owe me money, so suck it, both of you. You both lose." Like that, I that, yeah, this is yeah, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Callus yeah. may not be as uh, grow grow fat from wisdom strength. <laughs> Grow fat with strength, yeah. Uh, Luxury, grow grow luxurious with fat. I don't know. We 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 were there and then we left. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So obviously, Callus understands the the necessity for a uh, a military. Like he's not just going to get rid of the military, but he wanted to get rid of that the militaristic. Be- leadership as it stood with the praetoriate um so that he would be the sole decider on things well and and in in that sense is he just trying to do away with like the militaristic way of life now he says yes or or he would imply that yes he he wants to do away with this old school like spartan thought process yeah. um he wants to he wants to make uh, he wants to make things, you know, a, a, a time of the, essentially a cabal renaissance in a lot of ways. That's what I was thinking. It's it's like he's wanting to transition into like 
like a like a Grecian like time of thought, time of reflection, time of time yeah. of advancement. No, yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways that that is what he's he's saying he's trying to do at least. But he and still there understands. It he, there it is, Miss. Yeah, he's saying he's the Greek that. intern has just reared its ugly head. <laughs> like uh, you know not that that greek intern has an ugly head or anything we get it you have a majors in greek philosophy and you're trying to use it we applaud you for that getting a little redundant though maybe (laughs) maybe mix it up a bit well let's not pretend like the roman era did not have its own share of art and philosophy and you know sciences that were that's true explored during that time i'm not going to attribute all of that to greece by any means uh all all no i was i meant the whole thing that there's definitely someone at bungie that's a greek intern that's oh well yeah that's not well, yeah. not a greek intern a, a an intern at bungie that has has a, ma- a majors in greek philosophy and that's why we keep seeing these greek philosophy things throughout the entire lore of all of destiny because he's just trying the poor guy's just trying to find a use for his 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 degree and he's found it (laughs) maybe maybe change it up a bit though maybe maybe just a little bit so um we've seen callus's kind of way of dismantling this this militaristic culture uh however he he still needs a military they still need to be able to defend themselves and they do continue to assimilate other cultures into themselves via conquest like that that has Now at this time have have the scions been integrated yet? Yeah, so the scions were integrated prior to Callus's rise. Um That's that's what I thought. Like it it's it, it's I I feel like we kind of gla- glossed over that so quick. Like it was just like, "Hey, scions, yeah, they're a thing. They were assimilated. All right, move on." So, yeah, the the scions were part of the Cabal Empire since the era of conquest since prior to callus's rise as emperor um so presumably have been a part of the cabal empire for centuries by the time callus even comes to power yeah well and Uh, callus even says himself like in his own writing you know over the course of a century the the proving was done away with so that where you were talking about earlier that cabal live for a very long time like they they have a very long lifespan i mean we're we're seeing it here and and so it's 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 that same thought of like you know what is what is what is a century to an immortal or or, you know what is a century to someone who lives for a and we brought that up during the when we were doing our our books of sorrow stuff with with uh um oryx living for a billion his reign for a billion years like what it what is a what is a, what is a hundred years to a guy who's lived for a billion? You know, that's like a that's like a day to him. So yeah, that's a right. that's a that's that's interesting that it has been such a such a long period of time that even the cabal aren't even it, it doesn't even seem like the cabal even worry about it being a long period of time or, or or seem to care. You know, it's like, yeah, we did this and then this and then this and yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um so, but they're still expanding. The Cabal Empire is still ever expanding. Um, and they need a military to do it. And so what Callus does is a lot of lip service 
essentially from from my perspective uh he goes and to the military legions that were previously under the rule of the praetoriate and he rounds them all up and he says everyone that is a soldier of the cabal is now a free citizen of the empire you can do whatever you want to do you have complete freedom the same as anyone else in the empire which seems to Im- implicate that if you were part of the military before you didn't have that same level of freedom yeah um so he grants citizenship to all of his military legions that were previously under the praetoriate and says you're no longer you can remain in your legions you know your your families and your brotherhoods of red legion and uh you know I think like I said before, I think one was like the sand dancers and there was, there was multiples. You can remain under those flags, but you are not going to answer to a Praetorian anymore. You're going to answer to a leader that I appoint to be the high commander of all legions. So taking the Senate that was the Praetorian and condensing it into one person who, of course, answers to Callus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easier to manipulate one person than it is to manipulate fifty. Right. Uh, so I mean, that's just that's just simple math there. <laughs> so we get a little bit of information about this, uh, and and him doing this in again that collector's edition lore book from from the original Destiny two, uh, where Callus says, uh, in in a uh, in again, self-narrating about this event, um, he says, "I cast down the Praetoriate. I gave the legions the right to speak as citizens, but I still needed armies, and armies need a leader. So I chose a combat veteran to serve as Evocate General was the title that he gave them. Uh, and the name of that general was Uman Arath." Primus of all legions. Now, Callus goes on to say that uh, he did not trust Umin, but thought that he could bring her around to his way of thinking about things, as far as culturally where the Cabal should be going. Uh, Okay. And... Suffice to say, during their conversations, she didn't budge much on her viewpoint. <laughs> uh, and her name is going to be very so important maybe, later. Maybe it's, maybe it's not so easy to manipulate one. It's not so easy to manipulate a single like hardened veteran with centuries of military service. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, maybe throw a scion in there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, because those aren't people. <laughs> yeah, those aren't people. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's just it's so messed up to think of it like that. But it's I mean that's what it is. That's... That that is. That is their viewpoint on it. So while all of this is happening, there's another character who is being born who becomes very important to Cabal history. And this is a character by the name of Gaul. 
Bum, 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 bum. Which, if you haven't played original Destiny two, you you may not know who that is, honestly. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, wow. So uh, we're gonna go over the history of Gaul as, because it is part of the history of the Cabal. Um, but suffice to say that he was the big bad for the original Destiny two campaign. Um, he did a lot of not so nice things to us and to the traveler and you know the, all all that fun stuff uh all of that was started with gall gary G- gary yeah something with the g <laughs> greg gary g- something with the g yeah. uh so but he is just being born at this point in time uh holy cow and Gaul gives us a, a description of himself and what happened during his birth. Because as many villains tend to have, he does not have a happy childhood. Um, so I'm going to find the villain who had a happy childhood and still decided, eh, still be like, a bad nah, guy. fuck it. Nah, <laughs> like, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. World domination? Absolutely. Mass genocide on a on a galactic scale? Ah, fuck it. Let's go. Man, zero to like twenty five was real great, but after my twenty sixth birthday, I was like, nah, let's just redo it all. Like, screw uh, this. Yeah. Screw this. Born with a golden spoon in my mouth, and I just got I got to twenty six and was like, burn it. Burn it all. Start over. Um Twenty six. No. They gave me my fifteenth Lamborghini, and I just couldn't take it anymore. I want a Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe not sad, with current gas prices. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but, so so Gaul. So Gaul. <laughs> Uh, so Gaul. Actually, this is this is not from a lore card. This is from dialogue in the original vanilla Destiny 2 campaign um, that Gaul gave himself uh, to the speaker at the time. Uh, who I guess you may not know who that is either if you haven't played Shit. <laughs> Destiny 2 uh, in the original. Uh, needless to say, a, a very important figure in, in the tower. We'll just we'll leave it at that. Uh, and he he says... I was born an outcast, a runt. As is custom, I was cast aside and left for dead. I was taken in by an old scholar, himself disgraced, who saw in me something redeemable. He raised me, taught me, trained me, and in return I would become a vehicle for his vengeance against an empire that failed him that failed itself. Rejection, ridicule, torment, it all made me stronger. I gave everything to win, not just acceptance, but glory. Beneath my mask is the face of devotion and sacrifice. So Gaul did not have a good time of things. In total. He was, as as he said, he was a runt, 
uh, which, you know, being very culturally a, a race that values strength, uh, it sounds like if, if you are born, you know, boxing under a certain weight class, they just kick you out. Yep. Uh, yep. And heavyweights are nothing. Right. And uh, it's not described in this bit in particular, but uh, from uh, Gaul's character model in game, as well as from further descriptions of him, he is also an albino call, uh, cabal. Um, so he had his difference in coloration as well as his difference in size. And yeah, they didn't want anything to do with them. And, and no one in the history of anything has ever been oppressed over the color of their skin. There's a few parallels here. Just just a few. Yeah. Uh I may I may be team golf for a little bit. <laughs> so but he's taken in, he's abandoned and taken in by an old scholar who is also disgraced, who also had the Empire turn against him and and turn against itself in his eyes. Uh and he saw in Cabal a chance for revenge. Do we know anything about this scholar? Well, in in the Destiny 2 campaign, he is referred to as Consul. So, for anyone that hasn't put the pieces together yet, yes, this is the same Consul that was originally abandoned by uh, Callus out in the desert, presumed to be dead. Or, or soon presumed to soon be dead, he survived. He survived long Holy enough shit. to become a, a father, essentially, for this uh, this runt albino cabal. Wait a second. Is this the guy that we keep calling Mr. Waternoose? <laughs> yes, that is him. <laughs> God dang it. All right, so now some more history. So for those of you that don't know, since that seems to be our theme tonight of things that people that don't that we keep referencing that nobody has a clue what they are anymore because they don't exist in game anymore. In the D2 campaign, this whole time that you're that that you see these cutscenes with Gaul talking to the speaker, there's another person that's that's talking to him and and kind of egging him on and kind of like, hey. Hey, get back to the task on hand. Claim this. You are Dominus. You are Gaul. You are Cabal. You know, you're the great. Like, you are, you're, you're supposed to be everything. He, the voice actor sounds like the same voice actor for Mr. Waternoose from Monsters, Inc. And so canonically, up until literally this point right now, Myth and I have referred to him as such. He is Mr. Waternoose. Because he's never given a name while you're playing the D2 campaign, the, the the vanilla campaign, and now that we've put these pieces together, and now his name is 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 his name console? No, that's just his title. So we still don't have his name. So Mr. Waternews works. <laughs> dang it! He's still Mr. Waternews. He's still then. Mr. Waternews. Yeah. No, he's cons- console Waternews now. Console Waternews. Yeah. Pro- promotion. <laughs> God dang it. But yeah, so you have these two outcasts that that find each other, and one you know raises the other, uh, and trains Gaul, and you know by nature of being the consul of the the previous Praetoriate, 
which was a governing body made up of military veterans. Presumably the consul knows his way around, you know, being a soldier and, and can pass yeah. that info along to Gaul. Uh, and so he, he raises him. Um, with, Damn, Cabal are old. Cabal are real old. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, because presumably this this guy was a lot, you know, was an adult Cabal to hold the the title of consul, and if he now we don't have exact comparisons, but if he if uh Gaul was found as an infant after the right of proving had already fallen out of favor, that's at least a century. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So the next kind of era in Cabal history um, doesn't officially have a name, but I'm going to refer to it as the Cabal quote-unquote golden age of Callus. And I... Not, not like, not like, not like Traveler came golden age, but like, no, you know, as I am Bacchus, god of wine, meet my friend who is also god of gold, golden age. Yes, that... That's kind of golden age. Um, so Callus I'm, I'm believes... a little bit of a fan of both of these types of golden ages, whether yeah, it know. be technologically awesome or if it just be, you know, drink and grow fat and get stupid. Yeah, I still a, think I'm getting B. this quote wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we were there and then we left. Um, <laughs> and then we left. Uh, so Callus, like like stated before, believes he's brought about this time of unparalleled prosperity in the Cabal during his his reign as emperor. Um, and he says as such, and and says some of the exploits that his that the Cabal Empire had while under his rule. Um, and we see this in some of the uh, Spire of Stars raid armor, which is another raid that took place in the Leviathan. Uh, and so if we look at the Insign Shade gloves from the Spire Stars raid, they say, The Cabal, I remember, built wonders. The vitality-gifting red eyes. The system-spanning mobility of the ninth bridge. I count the far- and I count the far-seeing Oxa machine. Our every need we had answered. Everyday life was a paradise. Before my exile, the mother system never wanted for anything. He continues in the Turris Shade Gloves, also from the Spire of Stars. The cabal I knew were natural leaders, with the ability to drive cultivation. They excelled at... That they excelled at war was the result of their gentility. Our debate chambers were glorified as much as our battlefields. So again, driving that idea of we we accomplished all these great feats. Um, now we don't we don't know us the the player don't know what some of these things are to be honest. Um, the vitality gifting red eyes. I could find zero reference for what that is. Uh, the only thing I can think of is like 
the cabal the the scions have little red lasers that they point at you but that's from their guns so maybe not i don't think that's maybe vitality all cabal have red eyes like maybe 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 the red eyes is what's giving them the extra light i don't know that could be i don't know that could be um but they talk about the system spanning mobility of the ninth bridge again we don't have any official you know information that's, that's on that's got to be but, hyperspeed right like that's yeah, got to be that seems to some be type a, of transportation between systems or yeah. something like that um and the far well and i'm curious if it's a machine i well right like the the whole ox machine i'm curious if the if the travel thing well no because they're always in ships i i was thinking of of the oh what the hell's it called the thing that they use in in marvel um the hoarfrost <laughs> is that what i'm thinking of the the bifrost yeah bifrost yeah yeah Wait, what's the horror frog? I don't know. That sounds familiar, though. Are we just making shit up here? Uh, Maybe. No, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> it's uh, crystalline water vapor formed in clear, still weather. So. Okay, so it has thing, nothing to do but, with traveling. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So the by the bifrost, I was thinking of of because like, it because it says like the ninth bridge or whatever. Like that that's yeah. mean made me yep. think of. But but that could also I you know ninth bridge could be like you know the ninth level of light speed or whatever you know warp nine or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I But the, I we always see them in ships everywhere we've seen them. They've traveled in some sort of spaceship. They haven't just like right, yeah. you know appeared in front of us i mean hell they use cabal drop pods where they just slam a giant bowling ball into the into their landing zone and then it dematerializes and a bunch of cabal hops out of it so yeah to great effect most of the time though <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so but no um the one the one thing he mentions here is the the far-seeing oxa machine so i want to talk a little bit more about the oxa machine um, who is oxot and what is oxa right anyone that wonders about that little tidbit from the uh, insight terminus strike well we're gonna we're gonna tell you about it um, who is m sun 12 that i am not gonna tell you about <laughs> 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 I mean, i'll tell you who it is but that's not much else because that's, that's a, a long story that's another episode that is another um, episode <laughs> So. At some point in the past, the Cabal Empire conquered the Scion race. We talked about that. The Scion race had an Oxa machine at the time of being conquered, which was destroyed by the Cabal during the invasion. Centuries okay. later, during the, the Callus's reign, a particular Scion scientist by the name of Atzat recreated the Oxa machine on a moon called Brand. Holy shit. Uman Arath, who was the, the head of the Cabal military, as we talked about before, dispatched a Cabal armada to bomb Brand in order to destroy the device again because it was deemed too powerful to be left in Scion hands. It could literally tell the future or tell possibilities of the future. Better. Better than what the Vex can see, because again, we're 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 still trying to figure out if if this is like a chicken and the egg thing. Did the Vex get the idea right. of their prediction machines from this, or did was this technology derived from 
the Vex, and it it could literally be both ways. Yeah. Um. So they, Umanoroth dispatched Cabal Armada to just like glass it and not have to worry about it, but Emperor Callus told her to stand down, and instead of punishing Atsat, Callus parlayed with her and said, I'm going to reward you for your, your genius, and I want to integrate the Oxa machine into the Empire's use. So this is kind of the first time of, of, a, of a Cabal seen as Scion as, as an equal. And actually, Atzat earned the title of Freeborn and was known as Freeborn Atzat after that time. Holy shit. Uh, and Callus claims to have, quote-unquote, interpreted the mad prophecies of the Oxa machine, um, which apparently one of those visions detailed the rise of the Hive and Oryx the Taken King. So Callus was oh, aware of of the fact that, you know, the hive were a thing. I don't know that how much information he had on it. Um, but he knew that like they were a they were a force out there and and a mighty powerful one at that. Uh Well, here's a kind of a stupid question. Pre-Kaidal did the cabal ever actively engage and Oh yeah, in D1. Never mind. <laughs> They drove a whole goddamn ship into it. Never yep, mind. Yeah, they sure did. Um, Never mind. But that was at the direction not of Callus, but uh, uh, Gaul at that point. Yeah. Um, yep. Not to confuse everyone who's listening right now everybody. and going, what yeah. the fuck are they talking about? So in D1, the Dreadnought, they, the Cabal literally slammed a ship into it. To just be like, this is we're gonna make a beachhead here, and this is how we're gonna do it. And so they they, they you know win or die. Right. There is no going home. Like Yeah. So some some anyway. other interesting information about the Oxa machine um is that uh the Vex have information on Oxa, uh which we is accessible through the Insight Terminus on Nessus. Um it was accessed at an unknown time by both Atzat, who, again, don't know if Atzat's trying to maybe build another one and knows the Vex have info on it, or maybe that's where Atzat learned how to build the first one, or maybe the Vex... Because in, in the Insight Terminus, there's a lot of Vex tech being used by Cabal. Like, when they don't drop pot in on that fi- in that final arena, they're all being ported in through Vex gates. Yeah. So like the the scions have enough uh you know ha- have enough understanding of how technology works that they they can use vex tech to some degree. And that's um, that's the only reason why I I I almost feel like they they learned but but if it's so much better at predicting than a vex Man, that's a, that, that's still going that's going to bug the crap out of me now that chicken and the egg thing <laughs> i know um and and we we won't know but uh for anyone 
wondering about the insight terminus. So that's Atzat, but who's Msun 12? Msun 12 is a moniker for a uh, one Maya Sundaresh, who is an Ishtar collective scientist. But it's a little more complicated than that. Um, <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than that. But for the time it being, it is a lot more complicated than that. For the time being, just know that an Ishtar collective scientist from the Golden Age named Maya Sundaresh uh, is is what Msun 12 is referring to. Um, and it's implied that uh, Cargan, who is leading the offensive on in the Insight Terminus strike, uh, is likely there to try and get schematics to build another Oxa. Um, it is also interesting that this is just some trivia. Uh, during Season of the Dawn, which is where we had the the sundial that we were we were using with Osiris. Um, and the greatest sidearm known to man. And the greatest sidearm known to man. Rest in peace, Breachlight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Still I in my vault. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have mentioned it if you, did, if you hadn't said it, but then you said it so that I was like, oh, well, I got to mention it now. So, yeah, yeah. so the sundial uh, is referenced by Tazarak the Sun Eater, who is a, a scion that is part of that season's story. Um, and suggests that the sundial is actually superior to Oxa in its ability to predict and foretell the future. Well, and the sundial was, was that created by uh, Osiris? That was built by Osiris, so. right? I believe so, yeah. Um, with, with Cyrus's knowledge of the infinite forest. Correct, yeah. It's Vex Tech, Which but is, he did, he built it, you know, designed it. Tinkered it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so just, okay. just some extra info there about Oxa, because I, th- I think it's, it's interesting and, and it ties into the Scions quite heavily. Um, yeah. So, and Callus sees, it essentially kind of like takes credit for the Oxa machine at this point. He's like, yeah, the Oxa machine was, you know, built during my reign and helped my empire. And so clearly it's because I was such a good emperor. Uh, like, okay. Um, this guy's really full of himself. And he talks about how, uh, in, in the second reading I did, he talks about how, yeah, Cabal are natural leaders and we are driven to cultivate. Uh, we excel at war, but our debate chambers are just as glorified as our battlefields. Again, trying to speak to that, like, we had such a higher level of thinking and, and we're so much more open to uh, discussion versus just, you know, smashing our armies against each other. Um, yeah. Really painting a, a very different type of, a different life for Cabal than what had been known up till that point and what we know now. So despite this paradise and the, this great, you know, cultural enlightenment uh martial prowess and improving your strength is still very important for the cabal culture and so to to give them a place to do this callus hosted coliseums where combatants could come and prove themselves and this is where callus first met gaul 
Gaul was a participant in the Colosseum. And Callus writes about his first impressions of Gaul in uh, the lore card of the Ghost Primus uh, weapon, which was the auto rifle from the Leviathan raid. And it says, Gaul was an unexpected gift to my Colosseum. A disfigured albino from the outer wastes who defeated opponents three times his weight. How could I resist such a unique creature? He fought with terrible discipline and patience. Most gladiators wanted to stand in the center of the arena and trade blows until the weaker one died. Not Gaul. He never attacked from the front, never stood in one place. Frustrated and exhausted, his opponent would make a mistake. I used to play a game with, the, with those puffed-up aristocrats that would gamble at my arena. I bet on Gaul, and anyone who had displeased me had to bet against him. It was fun for a time, but his talent was too valuable to risk in the Colosseum. So, I appointed him Primus of the Red Legion, and instead set him loose upon my enemies. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's... That's... that's. There's so many Roman parallels here. Like, I mean, this is... Yeah. Yeah. And Colosseums, you know, all that. Um, but yeah, he... So here comes Gaul into this, this Colosseum of, you know, people proving themselves, proving their strength against each other. And... He uh, he's unbeatable, you know, to the point where Callus is tell like his way of of punishing people that he doesn't like is, yeah, bet against him, <laughs> like yeah, is is pretty reliable. Uh, but he right. recognizes, like yeah, he recognizes that you know, in a coliseum, eventually something might happen, and sure, this is. You know, he doesn't. He essentially he doesn't want to risk Gaul's life because he sees him as too important at that point, and so he pulls him from the Colosseum and says, "I am going to make you Primus of the Red Legion." Uh, so essentially, the the commander of the Red Legion, um, that would report directly to, uh, the Umanarath, who is kind of the the leader of all of the legions. Which is a pretty significant place of power in in the cabal hierarchy. Yeah. However, the cabal empire was not all rainbows and sunshine. Because a plot was hatched to usurp the empire and to usurp Callus by Keitel, the consul, Gaul, and some other close servants to Emperor Callus. And we're going to talk about all of that in part two. Next time on... No. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, damn. We covered, the, we covered the, that first part a lot faster than I expected. Yeah, me too, actually. Uh, but this, this is good. I think we're, we're definitely going to be able to, to condense this into three parts um maybe two and a half we'll we'll see we'll see how things go yeah okay well cool 
Um. Damn. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> what, what Confusion do do strikes. What? Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't like big red. Fuck you. No. Uh. Okay. Well. Um. Wow. That's a. That we really did cover a lot. Holy cow. Yeah, well, and it, okay, so how as far as a the timeline then, mm-hmm. this had this had to have been several centuries. At, oh, yeah. at least I'd I'd say at least could we say a, a a hundred centuries? Could we say this 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 was over a thousand years? Um, I don't know that we have anything definitive to say that, but given the time span that it seems Cabal live, I think it's totally possible. I mean, I, I, if if we if we were to take, you know, a century for a cabal, if if we were to think of that in terms of human lifespan, and we were to say, well, you know, if a century to a cabal is a year to a human, human lives to eighty, a cabal would live to eight hundred years old. Yeah, sure. That seems that seems plausible. Um, Which, but we know... also had a lot of we have a lot of time from. Acrius, which for those of you that don't know what he was talking about, Acrius is not just something you buy from a stupid kiosk in the middle <laughs> of the tower. Legend of Acrius was an awesome quest chain uh, that led through the original Leviathan raid. Uh, and it was a shotgun, and it was crap. Nobody ever used it, ever. Well, people uh, used it when it first they... came out, because shotguns were heavy weapons at the time. That's and right. It was That's the right, strongest one. Uh, it was the strongest heavy weapon shotgun, yeah. In vanilla. Uh, I got it. Man, I... Man. There's a lot of stuff from Vanilla Destiny that... Or vanilla D2 that, that... I feel like we take we take for granted now. Like, it's... Times have changed. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, well, um... If that's, uh... If that's all we got tonight, then uh, I guess I'll do my thank yous. Yeah, no, that's... That's all we've got for... For this particular portion um say it's it's just a good stopping point and we're pretty much at time anyway so yeah cool uh well then my thank you tonight goes to um callus uh for having the balls to deball a cabal god damn it <laughs> That was so perfect. I was so <laughs> proud of myself for that one. I've been thinking about that one for like 10 minutes. Like, how do I work this in here? So yeah, that's it. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> so that's it? That's all you got? That's it. That's it. Myth, uh, you got anything? All right. Well, I am then... <laughs> Top that, sucker! <laughs> Oh, there's no topping. There's no topping it. Um, you can't. You can't. I am just then going to remind everybody that uh, anyone and everyone that continues to listen to us, thank you. You are awesome. You are the reason we are still doing this and not just two crazy people talking to each other. Um, Absolutely. We, uh, every, every time I look at that little, that little chart of views go up, more and more it's just i cannot Yay. describe how awesome that feels um Yay. anybody that wants to get in touch with us uh just to to say hey i like what you guys are doing or you know oh i i 
you know, thought this idea about the lore or this idea or, you know, what, whatever it may be, totally down to discuss all that. Um, feel free to hit us up. We have a, a Twitter page, which is at Myths and Stories, but with a Z, same way that the title is. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're so inclined, go ahead and send us a message there. Uh, otherwise, that, that's it. Okay. Well, then from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week. <laughs>